Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. My name is Brian Lee, pastor here. If you are brand new with us um, and joining us online, we say this all the time. Thank you guys for inviting, but specifically, thank you for inviting online because with so much going on, um, whether those of you who are tailgating, we know about you, or whether um, it's those of you with the most recent variant, I know it's wiped a bunch of people out, but our online numbers have gone like through the roof. So thank all of you who are inviting, not just in-house, but inviting online. Um, but we're in week two of this series called On the Right Track. And I'll I'll catch you up a little bit and then we'll dive into it. But here's the thing that is amazing to me is people that really without directions, without GPS, without knowing where they're going can just find where they're going. Like, well, I'll just figure it out. Which is unbelievable to me because that's not me at all. And it's not, as I said last week, my wife at all, um, which is really difficult. Like, I feel like one of the questions before you get in a relationship with somebody or get married is like, I'm really bad at directions. Are you good at directions? Like, because we can't be together if you're not. So um, we're both really bad. Nicole's had a decade long streak of never being right and yet still being confident that she knows where we're going. Um, But we're both terrible at it. Here's the most recent example. This weekend, we went over to Disney um, with our kids and with some friends and we stayed one of the nights. So we got done with the park at Disney, took the tram back. And then because we were staying close by, we're like, well, it's going to take a lot more time to get on the bus. We'll just walk there. And to all of their discredit, um, they had me lead the way back to the hotel. Like I knew where I was going. And so no big deal though. Like I have GPS and GPS, I said last week has probably added years of productivity to my life when I otherwise would have been just driving around trying to find places because I don't know where I'm going. So I've got GPS, no big deal. I'll pull it up on my phone and we can walk there. So pulled it up three minutes, no big deal. We began to walk and, uh, and walk some more and it, uh, walk began to get a little bit more dangerous. And um, we were yelled at by a bus driver and then we were almost ran over by a bus. And then at a certain point, I realized there's no sidewalks at all, which seems really weird. Like, why would they not have sidewalks back to this resort? I mean, this is crazy. I've got kids. And then all of a sudden, about 15 minutes into the three-minute walk, I realized these are not walking directions. These are driving directions. I have put everybody at risk. People have almost died. And finally, we make it back to the resort. And obviously, like, everybody is safe. But, like, that, like that's, that's me. I can't find my way anywhere. It's amazing I hold down a job. If you were to, like, my IQ plummets when it comes to geography or directions or trying to make it anywhere. So here's the four things before I start that you need to know about directions and specifically people like me, because I know that you silently judge. And the first one is this, we don't get lost on purpose. Okay. Like it's hard to get lost on purpose. You don't do it. You're like, well, just pay attention. I do pay attention even to Siri, and I still get lost, okay? So it's just a thing. Second thing that you just need to know about lostness is we're lost before we know we're lost. 
Okay, like if you're not aware of it. So once you understand you're lost, it's not like you can go back 30 yards to the place where you know it went off the rails. And like, okay, go back 30 yards and now I'll be unlost and we'll find our way. You don't ever know when you're lost. And the third thing you need to know about is men go faster when they're lost. And this has nothing to do with my message, but it's just true. So the moment I get lost, I'll accelerate and I'll go 20 miles per hour faster. And somehow I will just get unlost faster if I drive faster. Um, so I have no idea what that is. And then the fourth thing that is obvious, but you just need to know about it, we wind up where the road we're on ends up. You're like, okay, I, yeah, I get that. But it's just true, because sometimes there's a disconnect when you move from driving to life. But like where, where I get in the car and go, like regardless of IQ and race and gender and net income, like it's just gonna go where the road goes. And that's so, nobody's taking notes on that. That is so obvious when it comes to directions and getting in a car or driving a route, depending on what you do. For some reason, it's not always as obvious in life. And yet, like a lot of us are moving directionally in terms of life toward a predetermined destination. And yet we continually live with this disconnect. And the disconnect a lot of times is around, here's what I intend for like my relationship, my life, my finances, but here's directionally where I'm actually going. So here's what we said last week that again is so kind of 101, but we just need to speak it out loud and it's important that we wrap our minds around it in terms of life. Your direction ultimately determines your destination. That's true spiritually with where you're headed because you're headed somewhere. That's true relationally with where you're headed. That's true financially with where you're headed, morally, maybe emotionally. Like, here's the thing, if I sat down with um, most of us and we had coffee or, or something stronger and we were talking, I can sit down and go, okay, like, what's your plans two, five, 10 years from now? What do you want for your marriage? Like, what are you thinking for your kids five years down the road? Like, what, what are your dreams, you know, for the next decade? And probably every one of you, and you don't even have to factor in the Jesus thing, this is just a person thing, you would have some kind of expectation for your future and ultimately where you want it to end up. But here's the tragedy, is that a lot of times, again, our intentions and our two and five and 10 year plans is very, very different than the actual direction that we are headed in life. So here's what you already know, but I just wanna speak it out loud. Direction overrides intention every single time. And, and I say that just for this reason, because in the church or religious systems, we're actually the worst at this. And we've talked about it before because you can like show up and sit in seats and get into groups and sing songs and know a lot of stuff. And somehow we have this weird idea that we'd never speak it out loud that if we just believe the right stuff or if we just say the right stuff, pray the right stuff, intend to do the right stuff, that somehow that's gonna override everything else. And your father in heaven would say, that's not how the world works. Actually, no matter how much you pray, how much you intend, or how sincere you are, or the fact that all of your theology is on point, your directions, not your intentions, will determine your destination every single time. And you don't want, ultimately. And more importantly, your, your father in heaven doesn't want you to be a victim of that kind of disconnection. Where you would say like, you know, ultimately, I want to be in a really healthy relationship and you're kind of walking through being single right now and you're not doing anything to move toward emotional or relational health. That's a direction. 
Or you're a dad that's going, okay, like my, my 10-year plan, like the next decade, I'm raising kids. I want our, our kids to be close. I want them to not hate me. I want them to want to come back and, and be together when, even when they're grown. I want them to want to spend time together as siblings, and yet you continually prioritize another business trip or work, and you'll actually do it in the name of, I'm doing this for my family. But instead, you're moving in a direction that's the opposite of what your intention is for your family. Or maybe you're in a place where like, I'm a grandparent and I wanna live as long as I can. I mean, that's not all up to me, but like I wanna be an influencer in my grandkids' lives. I'm gonna be there for them. Not really that big a deal that I drink too much, that I don't worry about any of my health. I haven't exercised in two decades. Like that's, that's a direction. That's like sow and reap. That's, that's the principle of cause and effect. Or maybe you're in a place where you're like, you know, ultimately we wanna get out of debt. Like that's our goal, that's our dream. Right now it just is what it is, it's a way of life, we'll get there eventually. And you kind of have this idea that now is now, later is later, but that's a direction. And despite what your intentions are for, for the future, you're already moving your financial world in a certain direction. Or you're like, you know, our, our goal for us as a married couple is like we wanna like each other down the road. Um, we don't wanna hate each other in 17 years. And so like that's our goal, that's our intention. And yet um, when things aren't as busy and when things slow down and when our kids finally move out of the house in 29 years, like then we're gonna make each other a priority. Well, all the while you're moving in a direction even though you have an opposite intention or you, you want your kids to love and to follow Jesus with all their heart. Like maybe for those of you who are, are followers of Jesus, that's a huge desire and dream for your life. And you're like, as soon as sports slow down, as soon as things aren't crazy, as soon as it's not as busy, and somehow my intention is going to override my direction and we'll get there anyway. Or, you know, once I get in a relationship, you know, then like I'll get healthy or once we have more money, then I'll be generous or I want a relationship with Jesus where even when things are flying out of control and stuff is hitting the fan and it's bad and God hasn't answered a prayer, I wanna have the kind of faith where I maintain faith, that I'm confident that God is with me, confident that God is for me and yet you've done nothing to invest in the growing of your spiritual life or your relationship with Jesus. And, and Here's what I knew. I knew giving all those examples, like that wasn't an applause line. Like nobody's gonna, like, that's amazing because all of us relate to that. And in fact, this is the thing I got over and over again after last week, like these jokes, like, oh, did, did you read my text? Did you read my email? Do you, like, do you know what's going on in my life? No, because here's the reality. You are unique. You are made in the image of God. You are unique. Your story is not. Your path is not. And in fact, if you were to be really honest, your direction and even your destination is not. For a lot of us, we are moving in a direction that, by the way, a lot of other people around us see, they just won't tell us. We are moving in a direction that in some ways already has a prescribed destination attached with it. And so your heavenly father goes, listen, listen, this is not about like, does God love you? Like this is God calling you into something different. This is how God set the world up to work. I want you to follow me, but your direction, not your intention is gonna determine the destinations of your life. It's gonna determine where you end up even in your relationship with God in this next season of your life. This is exactly what Solomon talked about when he wrote these incredible parables um, in the Old Testament. And honestly, like if you're kind of new to, I'm not sure about the whole Jesus thing, the God thing, 
Proverbs and Solomon is a good place to start because he doesn't even factor in the Jesus thing. So just start there. He talks about business and life and relationships and it's brilliant insight. Solomon doesn't take any of his own advice, but it's brilliant insight. And so he writes all of these parables and a parable is just this. It's an untrue story used to illustrate something that's true, which is really important. Nothing about it is true. It's just, I wanna use this to help you connect with what I'm trying to tell you. And so Solomon tells this story about this naive young dude and this seductive woman to illustrate, not, it had nothing to do with genders or the specific incident that he was bringing to the surface. It really was a parable about cause and effect. Sow and reap, direction, not intention. Now, a couple of things on this parable real quick that I think is really important. He was writing to a group of guys. His point in this, which I think is really important, is not that all women are seducers. Um, in the church world, because we have, we have perpetuated a lot of crazy thinking and systems, we'll rip verses out of context to either perpetuate patriarchy or misogyny um, or create environments where women are not called to lead and preach and be a part of what they've been ordained to do from the very beginning, um, or we'll use language that demeans and degrades and creates stereotypes. That is not what Solomon is doing. His point is not that women are seducers. His point is not that men are naive. They might be. That's just not the point of his parable. So like stay in track with what Solomon is actually saying. Here's the point that Solomon makes in this parable, this untrue story used to illustrate something that's true, is that right now you may be toward a decision or a priority or you're ignoring something and what feels like just in the moment for you, what feels like an isolated decision or what even maybe feels like a diversion is actually a direction that might be leading you toward an unintended destination. Because the destination you're headed toward is not your intention, but it's the direction that you are leading your life. And so here's the parable that he uses to illustrate this. Um, It's one of my favorite. I haven't taught on this passage in like a decade, but just like stay focused on what he's actually trying to say. Proverbs 7, 6. You guys with me? All right. You stay with me. We'll be out. I got my clothes ready to go change, make the one o'clock game. So you're going to be fine. All right. So um, at the uh, Proverbs 7, 6. If you stop talking back, it's gonna go faster. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple and I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. And his point is just this. Generally, judgment or wisdom is the result of time and experience. Now, not always. You can have time and experience and no wisdom. You can be old and not wise. In fact, I had somebody that used to say this in seminary is that actually experience does not make you wiser. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. So you can actually accelerate wisdom in your life based on whether you are willing to evaluate experience and time. But his point in this is just, here's a guy, like he's not dumb, he doesn't have a low IQ. He's just not very wise because he hasn't had time and experience. Like there's this weird dynamic as you get older for at least some of us where your parents got much, much more wise and intelligent the older you got. And he's like, this guy just hasn't had a lot of time of experience. He lacks judgment. And so verse eight, he's going down to the street near her corner. And again, it's a made up story to illustrate what Solomon wants to bring us toward. And he goes walking along in the direction of her house. And at twilight, as the day was fading and as the dark night set in. Now just real quick, the narrator has a certain perspective of what's happening here. And his perspective is very different than this naive young guy in the story. In fact, I think there's very, two very different soundtracks. For the guy that's walking by this house, the soundtrack is Marvin Gaye. If you're over 50, it's Bruno Mars. If you're 
for the narrator, the soundtrack is like the soundtrack to Jaws. It's like, what's about to happen? I'll just give you a heads up. We see it very differently. What's about to take place, we have two very different perspectives. And so verse 10, then out came a woman to meet him dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. And she took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, and just, so it gets a little R-rated. Verse 14. Today, I fulfilled my vows. And I have food for my fellowship offering at home. And he's like, wow. How can I resist your fellowship offering? <laughs> and then everybody else is reading. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what does that even mean? Like, is that some kind of weird code? Is that 50 shades, 900 BC? Like, what, what is this? Here's what he actually means. This is like a, a Jewish Canaanite religious ritual. And in a lot of ways, honestly, it, it matches a lot of our religious rituals today. Because here's what she's saying. Like, I'm a religious person. I know God. And in fact, I just went to like the temple and kind of our system and I got things right with God and I confessed my sin. And so we're good to go. And so now I can kind of do whatever I want because I'll just repeat that same thing next weekend. Like me and God are good, I'm ready to go do whatever I want and then I'll get it good with God again later. Like it's just, it's just a religious game we play. And so then verse 15, so I came out to meet you and I looked for you and I have found you. And he's like, me? Like I'm the man, I'm special. And the narrator's like, we don't see it the same way, you're an idiot. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm one of a million. Like, you don't understand what's happening right now. And the narrator's like, no, 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 I do understand what's happening right now. You, you are, you're one of a million. What's happening right now, we don't see it the same way. Verse 16, I've covered my bed with color, colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, with aloes, with cinnamon. Basically, like, I'm ready for you. I don't know what our equivalent is. I have 25 pillows on the bed that we don't use. It's gonna take you 25 minutes to find it, like whatever our thing is. But here's really what she was, I have prepared for you. And he's like, are you serious? And back, without going too in depth here, like what you need to know about 900 BC, nothing smelled good, nothing. We don't need to, nothing. So this is the equivalent of like everything's set, like it's, it's ready. Not everybody gets this treatment. And so verse 18, come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. And let's enjoy ourselves with love. And then she kind of reads his mind. Don't worry. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. You should read Proverbs. In verse 20, he took his purse. His man bag. He, that part's confusing. <laughs> Actually, I read this a hundred times before I... Like, that can't be what, so verse 20 in the NASB gives us a little more context. He has taken a bag of money with him. Okay, I get it. He's not gonna be back for a while and will not be home till full moon. And here's the implications that I think you're already tracking with. The whole thought, and the narrator has a very different perspective. This guy, this, this young guy has a very different perspective. But the whole implication is, idea is okay, as, as, there's no consequences as long as like we don't get caught, Right? 
Or you can take a wrong turn and somehow magically, if you just pray your way or intend your way in a different direction, you can take a wrong turn but not end up in a wrong place, right? Somehow that doesn't work in driving, but we think it's gonna work in life. Or I can go a wrong direction and still end up at my desired intention, right? And with persuasive words, she led him astray and she seduced him with her smooth talk and all at once, and I love the two perspectives, all at once he followed her. And the guy in the story is like, this is amazing. This is, this is VIP, this is avoid the lines, this is past security, best table at the club. Like all these things he's thinking, the narrator's like, not exactly. That's not exactly what's happening. And this is the illustrator's version, the narrator's version in the story. No, 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 you're like an ox going to the slaughter. He's like, what, slaughter ox? This is the best moment of my life. No, no, not, not quite. You're like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces your liver. And he's like, could I be any clearer? And, and everybody's are like, come on, Solomon, chill. That, like, that's not what this is. It's a moment, it's now, it's not that big a deal, it's way overblown. And then he's like, well, I'm not done yet. You're like a bird darting into a snare, like knowing, little knowing, that it's gonna cost him, it's gonna cost you your life. And again, the guy in the story, like, are you serious? It's not gonna cost me anything. It's gonna cost me a little time, it's gonna cost me a little bit of money, and the narrator is like, no, 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 no. This isn't a diversion. This is a direction. This isn't a pastime. It's a pathway. It is leading you somewhere. And then the narrator pulls out and he's actually addressing his audience. So he stops with the story, stops with the parable or the untrue story and says, okay, let me address everybody who's listening to this. 2,000 years ago, actually 3,000 years ago and to us now, verse 24, now then my sons, listen to me, pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn her ways to her ways or stray into her, this is a really important word, into her what? Paths. And again, he's like, no, 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 it's not paths, it's pastime, no, 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 it's a path. It's a direction. You are living like now is now and later is later. But you're not recognizing that your past is going to become your present and it's going to influence your future. That it's not disconnected. It's not isolated. It is a direction. It is a path. And then verse 26, many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Like, do you know why counselors are so smart? Do you know why therapists are so smart? I would encourage everyone to have one, to be honest because we are so predictable. Because in many cases, the direction that we are heading, that by the way, so many people around us see in so many cases, like they're already clued in, they're already wondering, they're already seeing the disconnect. You intend to be here, you've actually stated you intend to be here, but everything you're doing in terms of decisions and priorities is directionally leading you here. And they already see it from the outside. And what great counselors understand is that there is a connection in a lot of cases, the direction that we are heading already has a predetermined destination already attached to it. In a lot of cases, we start to get close and think, well, I just need fixed. I just need a solution. I just need to get out of this. And somebody who's really honest would go, there actually is no fix. In fact, most of the problems, we said this last week, that we walk through, there's no fix for them. There's no immediate solution. 
We get to where we want to be the same way we got to where we didn't want to be. And it's not a problem that needs fixed, it's a direction that needs changed. And if we change directions in that area, there is the potential that all of our life will change. But verse 27, her house is a highway. He's like, no, 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 it's not. It's just, no, no, it's a highway. A lot of people have traveled this road (laughs) and it's leading somewhere. And honestly, if we were to be honest, like some of us, we're on a highway. You're not as unique as you think. Your story is not as unique as you think. A bunch of people have traveled this road already. It is a financial highway. It's a, it's a marriage highway. It's a moral highway. It's a spiritual highway. It's six lanes. A bunch of people have already been there. And it pretty much leads to a predetermined destination that you can't intend and pray your way away from. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Thanks, Solomon. But his point is just this, and so it's so pertinent. Her house appeared to be a diversion. It was actually a direction. Because you're unique, you're made in the image of God, you're special, your experiences are not. Your path is not. Your destination isn't either. And in fact, it is, I can almost guarantee you, predictable to somebody. In fact, there is probably somebody around you, and isn't it really interesting, and we've all done this, like I'm, I'm in here with you, like we're on the verge of a decision, we're on the verge of kind of moving in this direction, we're on the verge of saying no to this or prioritizing this, and a lot of times there's like this thing of like, well, I should just ask them about this, or I should just tell them about this, or I should just, and then there's something in us that doesn't wanna do it, and we just ignore the tension, we push it down, I don't wanna ask them, and I'm telling you, that, I'm gonna do a whole series around this later this year, but that tension is massive. The reason that you don't wanna tell that one person, listen to that one person or clue into that one person is because in a lot of cases, it's not that you don't know. It's not that it's not there to be seen. You don't wanna see it. We don't wanna hear it. We don't wanna know on the front end. And yet there are people around you and there is somebody who can see what you don't. And there is somebody who can see what you won't. In a lot of cases, what hangs in the balance in this next season of your life and your intentions actually lining up with your directions is to recognize that it's not that unique and you're not different and you're not special and you're not somehow gonna circumvent it and you're not gonna defy all the laws of geography. They apply to your life and your decisions and your priorities and where you're heading and what you're paying attention to. It is leading you somewhere and a lot of times it's six lanes wide and it's gonna end up where that road goes. Solomon says, you just need to know on the front end. You just need to be clued in on the front. Don't be another individual that lives like the fool. Like all of life is disconnected and somehow you're just gonna magically end up where you wanna end up. Like this is why honestly community is so important. Community groups are so important. And this isn't just a plug for community groups. I'm just telling you. And not therapy groups or psychoanalyzing or get out of those groups. Like groups that are genuine, like, you know, create friendship over time. But where you get into community with other people and are in several weeks, our community groups are about to launch. You should take the step to get into a group. And I know it's costly in terms of time. I know it's a sacrifice. I know it's inconvenient. I get that it's all of those things. I feel it with you. 
It's also a direction. And relationally, community-wise, you're moving in some kind of direction and you need directly and indirectly people into your life. And they don't even always have to say it to you. So many times in Nicole and I's life, we've just been close to people and we were close enough to where they didn't even have to say anything, but we're like, they're right. We're on a direction that we don't wanna be on. We should recalibrate and line up because they've already parented where we parented. They've already been through marriage where we're at in our marriage. They've already been through some of this life. People who are leadership mentors who've already led where I'm leading. And so I wanna I want to take in their wisdom, recognizing that my present is eventually going to influence my future. And eventually my present is going to become my past that's going to influence my future. And so one of the best decisions you could make is get into community with other people who share your values at some level so that they can see what you don't see and eventually speak into your life or indirectly you just get around them to go, we are off the rails, And how good of God to place us in the community around other people who have crystal clear insight to the stupidity of our decisions so that we can begin to move in a different direction in our life because I don't wanna get a decade down the road and realize I had a lot of great intentions and a lot of great dreams and I journaled and I made a list. And everything in terms of my directions led me away from my intentions and dreams for my future. And you don't want, because I don't even know you, but I know a lot of you and people around you don't want and your heavenly father doesn't want you to be a victim of that disconnection where your intention somehow overrides your direction. So I'm gonna add a word to what we talked about last week as far as the principle of direction is just this, that your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Your direction, not your intention, not your prayers. I love that you, be- you think you believe all the right stuff. I- your direction not your intention determines your destination. Now, real quick, because I, I do live in the real world, contrary to what some of you think. Like, there is that whole thing of like, but I just feel like some of that stuff and like some of what I'm, I'm called to in the scriptures or, if, you know, following Jesus in all of, the, I mean, all of these areas, it seems restrictive. It seems a little bit like taking away freedom. It seems a little bit naive. I get all of that. Like, this is one of the greatest lies the enemy wants to use and it started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. I don't, know what you, I don't know what you think of Genesis, so don't get lost with me, but this was the lie in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve where God's like, I'm gonna give you one rule to prove that submission to God is actually good for you. And yet they bought into the lie that God was holding out on them. And that has been the thread of a lie in all of humanity ever since. This constant wrestling of, I want to follow you, but somehow I think following you is gonna be bad for me. And Jesus says, like, initially, it may feel that way. There is a sacrifice. There is letting go of you. There is dying to you. But I'm telling you, we said this last week, following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. Not because you get rid of pain or that if you just believe enough, everything's going to work out. Just because Jesus' ways are better. Jesus' direction is better. Following Jesus is better. He manufactured you. He created you. He created the directional course. And so he says to you, listen, I'm not trying to take away from your life. I'm not trying to steal life. I'm not trying to suppress your joy. Actually, it was David who wrote that you delight yourself in God and following Jesus. He will give you the desires of your heart. Translation, literally, he will transform your desires so that they align with what is best for you and ultimately will be best for your life. And so Jesus says, I want you to follow me. And I'm not trying to take away, I'm trying to add. It's why Jesus gave us this invitation that the majority of the time we just don't believe. I've come to give you life and I've come to give you life to the full. So I wanna leave you with this homework. 
go home and find an empty box. It'll probably say Prime on it. <laughs> and even if you don't have one now, just wait for tomorrow, you will. You grab that off your doorstep. You don't, it just shows up. You don't even know what it is. It's like Christmas every day. You order something you can't remember. But get a box and then collect all of the experiences you've had and put them in the box. And you can't fully do that. You can put things in that remind you of those experiences. And they're not all bad, they're morally neutral. Some of them are great. You'll have a good time reminiscing. But put all of the experiences that you had in the box and then collect all the money you've wasted and put it in the box. It's a real thing. And then just stare at it. Just like reminisce, stare at it, think about it, contemplate it. And then push back and think about your most generous moments. Like walk away, push the box away and think about those days. Maybe it's a whole season. You're like, that, I was, that, I was, it was happening in that season where you were so selfless. Think about those moments. And isn't it funny? Because like, I, I, again, I don't know many of you, but I know what you look back on. And it seems counterintuitive, but think about those moments where you did what you knew was right and it cost you. And even though you think that would lead to despair, it actually did the opposite in your soul. And then think about those days where you, you said no to you in order to say yes to somebody else. And the question is just this. What do you want more of? It's not a trick question. What do you want more of? Because here's the reality. In many cases, your version of freedom or fun is always in the rearview mirror. Again, even if it's like, I'm not saying those things are wrong. You should pile those things up. It may be morally neutral, but regardless, whether it's good or whether it's in the moment what you thought was freedom or fun that ended up being a regret or some shame that you carry, either way, it's always in the rearview mirror. It's always in the past, but here's the reality. Fulfillment and satisfaction, what you've been created for by your heavenly father, it always travels with you. Meaning, it's, it's like sitting in the passenger seat. In every season of your life, unlike those other things, it's not in the rear view mirror. It does something to your soul. It does something to your emotions. You live differently, you see differently, you feel differently, and it does not leave you. It's always with you. In a lot of cases, we want to settle for our version of freedom at the expense of fulfillment, and it is a bad trade every single time. You sit with somebody on their deathbed, I will tell you what they will value most, and it's so crazy. It's exactly what Jesus talked about. The thing that you want for your life is love, joy, peace, and contentment. And there will become a day, regardless of how it worked out with your 401k, that they took social security away, your business failed, your investments tanked, or maybe they did amazing. And cryptocurrency was flying out of control in the best possible way. You're still gonna get to the end and the thing that's gonna matter most is not how Bitcoin did. Love, joy, peace, contentment, because fulfillment and satisfaction are the result of arriving where you intended to be. And God has a destiny for your life. God has a will for your life. God has a desire for you spiritually and relationally, and it's not gonna be perfect. I'm not talking about the outward external circumstances. I'm talking about the inward part of your soul. 
and fulfillment and satisfaction, listen to me, elude those who live disconnected lives. Like now is now and later is later. No, no, no. Your past will eventually show up in your present and it will influence your future. And Jesus says to you, follow me and I'll make your life better and follow me and I'll make you better at life. And there's still gonna be pain and there's gonna be problems and stuff's gonna go off the rails and people will lead you, leave you and people will let you down, but I will be with you and I will make you better at life and I will do something at the level of your heart and your soul that you're not gonna get anywhere else and from anybody else because you were created to live your life bringing glory to Jesus. As we said last week, all that means is that you push him to the center of your life and you live in such a way that goes, it's not all perfect, just look at my life. We're all in a similar spot, we need help and that's why Jesus came but my life is lived centering around and following Jesus in such a way that the world looks at me and goes, Jesus is just better and following Jesus is better. And the byproduct is my life is better. My inside is better. My internal world is better. And so the direction you choose is gonna make all the difference and your direction, not your intention determines your destination. So I just wanna end with this question or these questions will be done. Are you living in the right direction? Like th th this is the huge thing that we are in more danger than I think a lot of people because this is the religious culture that we've created. I'm talking like 3,000 foot, like global, national, whatever, is we come in places like this, we listen to things, we sit in rows, we learn stuff, we believe stuff, we head nod. Nobody says amen here, but like whatever you do to show me that you're with me, that's not a lot, a lot of times, but like whatever that thing is, I'm like, yes, I believe that. Yes, I wanna do that. Yes, I intend to make that change. And then we walk out and we don't do anything. And somehow we think we've had some kind of religious experience with God, but nothing changes. And we stay in the direction that we're going that may be contrary to our intention. So all that to say, what direction are you going? And is your direction in those areas lining up with your intention? Is this what God has for you? Is this where God's leading you? Is this what you want in the next season of your life? And what is the one not fix? What is the one directional change that you need to make like now? And I'm just gonna tell you, everything is gonna fight against that because we're gonna excuse, we're gonna try to ignore, we're gonna try to not listen, we're gonna try to, yeah, I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna intend, I'm gonna intend, I'm gonna intend. And so just the intention appeases our conscience and all the while we stay in a direction that we actually don't wanna end up. So in a lot of cases, it requires something radical. What do you need to do? And maybe that one area of your life or maybe it's just your life to begin to move in a different direction. Because ultimately your direction, not your intentions are gonna determine your destination. And here's Jesus' invitation, I'm gonna end with this. I love this. Come to me, like come to me. My way's better, my direction's better. Come to me, all you who are weary, and that's a lot of people, and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Because my way of doing life, my yoke is easy. Life isn't easy, my way of doing life is easy, and my burden is light, so follow me. Would you guys stand with me all over the house? Would you pray with me in this moment? Jesus, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in this moment. And I understand for some people, this is like dropping a grenade and just walking away, but I'm so confident in your spirit to do what you are good at. I'm not good at this. and That is to take this and apply it in 4,000 different directions and to speak specifically in such a way that it felt like today I was reading somebody's text messages. And so do what you do. 
And then God, help us to not do what so many of us, I'm as guilty as anybody, like just this religious game we play that where we will appease our conscience, we will push off what we know we need to do, we will talk about intentions for the future, and all the while we will remain in the same direction that we are at. I pray that you would jolt us out of that. And that for some of us that needed to make a directional change spiritually, relationally, or even financially, or morally, or emotionally, this would be the moment. So God, do your thing, empower us, clarify for us, and help us to trust on the back end of this, you got us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.